Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Who is it that sinned? Was it this man or his parents that he was born blind? This was that question that the disciples asked Jesus as they saw the man blind from birth. It's a great question for us to consider this evening, along with the discussion that followed. It's strange, isn't it, that the disciples would ask such a question. What had they already seen as they traveled with Jesus? They'd already seen many miracles. They had seen Jesus heal the sick. They saw Jesus feed the 5,000. They saw Jesus walk on water. One would think that after seeing all of these things, they would ask Jesus to heal him, to have compassion on him. One would think that they would reach out in such a, such a manner rather than looking towards the law. Their first question that they asked was not about compassion, but they asked about sin. Who sinned? What was the sin that caused this man to be born blind? Now, as we stop and think about that, even in our modern context, it's not as odd as we might think. How often do we say something similar? We may not use the word sin, but it's exactly what we mean. When we hear that somebody has cancer or any other disease for that matter, we usually ask, well, was he a smoker? Did she go out in the sun without using sunscreen or without a hat? What was her diet like? Did he exercise? Maybe it was the diet growing up or where that person lived, implying that it was the parents' fault for living in a poor neighborhood. If it's a mental health issue, maybe it was the way that she was raised. Maybe it was something the parents or somebody else did to them when they were a child. When somebody is killed on our streets, obviously he was involved in gangs or drugs because of his poor decisions and his poor upbringing. The tragedy is somehow the fault of the victim. It was their sin that led to the tragedy. In essence, we make the same assumption as the disciples all the time. Somehow the person is responsible for this terminal disease that they have. They sinned. This is why it is so shocking to us when we learned that the person with lung cancer never smoked a day in their lives. It's shocking to learn that the person who's over 100 years old smoked a cigar a day since they were 14 years old. It's shocking when the person with mental illness had an ideal childhood and a model family. It doesn't quite fit the molds. Jesus' answer is one that we should remember well. The man's blindness was not the result of his sin, nor is it the result of the sin of his parents. He's blind so that the glory of God might be displayed through him. He was blind so that God could heal him. We don't always know the source of the disease, 
We don't always know why somebody suffers a tragedy. Now, the manner of this healing makes us all a little bit squeamish, doesn't it? Especially in our modern ears. It's not exactly sterile, is it? You can imagine if you went in because you were having eye troubles and you went to your doctor and your doctor said, here, grab some dirt, spit in it, and rub it in your eyes. We would probably run away screaming. But Jesus, again, I'm assuming he kneels down onto the ground and he either spit into the ground itself or he picked up some dirt in his hand and he spit in it and he formed this mud. And then after doing that, he rubs it in the man's eyes, telling him to go wash. Now, you see, Jesus was violating the Pharisaical Sabbath laws because they had made a decree that it was unlawful to knead bread on the Sabbath. So using their logic, it's the same mixing mud with spit is the same as kneading some bread. So therefore, he did some work on the Sabbath along with the fact that he, he did the, uh, the, very, the very act of healing itself. According to them, you can't do any work yourself or you can't cause anybody else to work on the Sabbath. You're not even allowed to carry a paperclip or play a video game. So again, the very act of healing is a violation of their pharisaical laws. But let's be honest, we have a hard enough time as it is trying to keep the biblical law without adding anything extra to it. How well do you remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy? Do we faithfully and gladly attend church at every opportunity? Do we look for a convenient excuse to get out of going to church? Do we come out of an obligation or is it a joyful longing to hear God's word? Do you remain fixated on every word, or does your mind wander throughout the sermon? Do you conform your thoughts and opinions to reflect God's word, or do you conform God's word to your thoughts and your opinions? None of us does so well at remembering the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Now what follows the healing of the blind man almost reads like a modern sitcom, doesn't it? It almost has that, that sound to it, kind of this comedy of errors where they keep calling the guy back and forth and back and forth and calling his parents and finally says, why do you keep asking? Do you want to worship him too? Do you want to become one of his disciples? You can, yeah, yeah, it sounds an awful lot like a sitcom, but it isn't. They're trying to get evidence to convict Jesus. But the parents, they, uh, they're pretty wily about this. They don't want to get kicked out of the synagogue. And so they say, ask our son, he's of age. You can come to your own conclusions. And they can only come to one of two conclusions. And you see that among them. Jesus is either from God or he's not. He's either who he claims to be or he's a fraud. If you are not for him, you are against him. Many would like to have a middle road there, wouldn't they? They think that Jesus might be the Christ, but they're not exactly sure. 
the Pharisees themselves. They had a lot of social and political pressure as well, as we read in our text, that they were afraid that, that they were going to take their position away from him, from them if, if Jesus was actually declared the Christ. They thought they would get kicked out. They would lose everything that they held dear. If they admitted that Jesus was the Christ, they too would be cast out from the synagogue by their own decree. All that they held dear would be lost. And the same is true for many in our time as well. Confessing Christ would result in the losing of a way of life. It would result in losing friends. Many say that they believe, but again, they live as if he does not. They honor God with their lips, but they live a life that's far different. In so doing, we do not truly read, mark, learn, nor inwardly digest the word of God. Although we have sight, we live as if we were blind to the word of God. But Christ says something absolutely incredible through the prophet Ezekiel. Did you take note of that reading tonight? That was pretty incredible. It reads, in part, I will take you from the nations and gather you from all the countries and bring you into your own land. I will sprinkle clean water on you and you shall be clean from all your uncleannesses and from all your idols I will cleanse you. And I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and to be careful to obey my rules. Isn't that amazing passage from the Old Testament? Clearly declaring the blessings of baptism that we enjoy today. Although we sin much, Christ restores our sight. He doesn't come with spit and dirt mixed together. He comes with water and the word to restore our sight. Although we all deserve blindness and eternal punishment, Christ gives us everlasting life, allowing us to see and hear his gracious promises. Through the waters of baptism, he not only washes away dirt, he washes away our sin. He takes our hearts of stone and gives us hearts of flesh. With sin gone, we have life eternal. For the man who was born blind, Jesus said that it was not because of sin. He said that he was blind so that the glory of God could be seen through him. And indeed it was. Through that mixture of spit and dirt, Jesus was able to heal him through his word. Looking at our own frailty, we ask the same. Is it because of our sin? Is it because of the sin of our parents? No, it is to show the glory of God through us. If we think it was incredible to see the blind man healed, just wait for the resurrection on the last day. Just wait for that glorious day of resurrection. On that day, all diseases will be healed and done away with. We will have new glorified bodies. Bodies without sin, bodies without disease, bodies without death. 
the glory of God will be absolutely breathtaking. Who sinned? We could attempt to find blame. We could blame Adam and Eve for sinning against God and passing that along to each of us. But we forget if we were in their place, we would do the same thing. And we have contributed more than enough to earn our condemnation. We could blame big corporations for pollution. We could blame corruption. We could blame all sorts of things. But the fact is, we are all born in sin. We can't look at another day, or we can't look at another and say that they are more or less deserving of a disease or illness than another. Christ is not like the apostles. When he sees the blindness of this man, he reacts differently. When he sees our blindness, he does not stop to ask if we deserve it through our own actions or the actions of our parents or the actions of somebody else. He looks at us and is filled with compassion. He looks at us and is moved to restore our sight and give us everlasting life. Christ, indeed, gathers from every nation, sprinkles us clean with clean waters, and cleanses us from all of our unrighteousness, replacing our hearts of stones with hearts of living flesh. And he has filled us with his Holy Spirit and given us everlasting life. Amen. And now may the peace of God, which surpasses all human understanding, keep our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.